Our scripture lesson this morning comes from the first letter of Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. You can follow along right there in your bulletin if you'd like to. But before I read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, First Peter, beginning with chapter 2, beginning with the first verse. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I am laying a foundation in Zion, a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word, as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of God who called you out of darkness into God's marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of the running jokes in my family is that because I'm a pastor, I only work one day a week. My father tells me that all the time. Well, it's not Sunday. You're not working today. Sometimes maybe it seems like that. I'm thankful to say that that's not just something unique to my family, but that I've heard that from other pastors and their families as well. In fact, a few years ago, uh, my former senior pastor, Lane Alderman, told me a story about when he went to go visit his grandmother. She was nearly 100 years old. It was around Thanksgiving, and he was going to visit her. And he had been visiting with her, having a good time, but was, he needed to go back and get to work. And so he was turning to leave, and she said, no, I want you to stay. Stay and visit with me a little longer. And he said, oh, well, I've got to go back to work. And she said, oh, Lane, you're a pastor. What do you have to do? He said, well, I, I've got to work on my sermon for this week. She said, well, it's not Sunday. You can, you can preach that sermon on Sunday. And he said, well, I, I need to work on what I'm going to say. And she said, oh, just get up there in the pulpit and tell them what's what. Not bad advice from a hundred-year-old, I suppose. But He said, well, that could probably work, but I, I've got to work on what I'm going to say so I know what I'm going to say before I preach to them. And she said, well, tell me what the topic is this Sunday. And he said, well... It's right around Thanksgiving, so I'm going to talk about gratitude. And without missing a beat, his grandmother sang these little words. He said, she said, I'm gonna, let me read it so I get it right. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, 
Count your many blessings. See what God has done. It was an old hymn that, that she had learned when she was just a small child, but it was a hymn that, that she always thought about around Thanksgiving, to remember all the things that God has done for us and to count those blessings so that we remember them in times when life is hard, when life is difficult, to remember the things that God has done for us. I had a dear friend a few years ago who said something similar to me. I think I might have shared this with you before. A friend of mine that I worked with in Charlotte, he said, Brad, imagine if the things that you had tomorrow, all of the things that you had tomorrow, blessings, whatever you had, were only the things that you said thank you for today. I imagine if that was the case, I would spend most of my day saying thank you for all of the blessings that I have. I wouldn't stop and think about all of the things that I don't have, but I would turn my attention to the things that, well, maybe that I've been taking for granted. All the things that fill my life, that give my life meaning and joy and stability. Things like my family, my friends, things that I need like my house and, and clean air and clean water. All those things maybe that we take for granted. I would spend my life saying thank you for each of those things rather than pointing to the things that I don't have. Well, that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks as we lead up to Advent and get ready for Advent. We're going to spend our, our Sundays thinking about those parts of our faith that maybe we have started to take for granted a little bit, things that we need to say thank you for. Things by, by saying thank you and offering our gratitude to God, it will remind us that God is still very present here with us, even in difficult times, even in the troubling times that we've been going through throughout this past year. In fact, that we see that all throughout the Bible, that, that God calls us to be grateful, that God calls us to be gratitude and, and to remember those things that we take for granted. And today we're going to focus on something we always take for granted, just the very simple foundation of our faith, our foundation of faith through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That foundation that gives our life meaning, that gives our life purpose, that, that hopefully gives us direction. Now, all throughout Scripture, you can see Jesus, God is, is described as sort of the, the architect, the creator, the builder of the world. God laid the foundation before the world began. And especially once we get into the New Testament, we start to point to Jesus Christ as the foundation of our faith. The, like I say, His life that He lived gives us a model for how we should live. His death defines God's love for us, and His resurrection gives us that hope for eternal life that we talked about last week. And, and we see all of these examples kind of, of, of God as, and Jesus Christ as the foundation gathered together here in this one little passage from 1 Peter. He takes passages from the prophets and from Isaiah, gathers them all together, and points to Jesus Christ as the foundation, the cornerstone. And we talk about Jesus in that way. Jesus Christ was the cornerstone. The stone that was rejected is now the cornerstone. And he calls in 1 Peter, Peter, the tradition is that Peter was the author of 1 Peter, and he, he calls on all the people to remember that Jesus is your foundation. Even out there in the world when you're uh, faced with many other influences, many other cultures, to, to always remember that it's Jesus Christ, the firm foundation that you stand on. Because apparently, when we're faced with all of those other influences, from time to time, we like to move off of that foundation. We seem to find foundations in other things, including ourselves, our own will, our own values, our own desires, rather than continuing to stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we take Jesus for granted. 
I'll give you a little analogy, a little elementary analogy that maybe will help you understand it. When I was uh, back in seminary, I got to take a little class where I traveled through Appalachian, Kentucky, and I learned about the Christian faith and how it was expressed in Appalachia. But I also got to practice some of the, the skills and the craftsmanship, learn how they do a lot of their artisan crafts up in Appalachia. And I, I got to actually practice weaving. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever tried weaving before. I did not weave this, by the way. Let me say that right off the bat. But I got to practice weaving, and I learned while I was at a school up there, there are kind of two types of thread that you use when you're weaving. The first is called the warp. And the warp is the, the long thread that goes up and down, and it goes all throughout the, the fabric. And that warp is really the foundation of the fabric. It's tied tightly to the loom, and it, it goes all up and down. It has to be a strong thread, a, a straight thread that, that goes up and down throughout the loom. And if, if that, that warp is not strong, then the, the fabric will, will pull away. The second type of thread is called a weft. And it's put in a little, around a little spool, and you take the weft and you weave it in and out of the warp, in and out, in and out, and then tighten that down with the loom. And, and if you do it right, the weft is what gives it, well, some of its design, some of its variety, some of its, uh, the, the different things that you can see here on this fabric. Well, being a difficult student, like I always was, I, I went up to my teacher while I was learning how to weave, and I said, why don't we change the warp? I don't really like the color that I'm using. Well, in a moment where she was not only trying to teach me how to weave, but gave me a pretty good theology lesson, she said, Brad, if you change the warp right in the middle of your fabric, it will fall apart. The warp is the foundation. The warp is what holds it together. You can weave in and out with the weft, but the warp has to hold tight. If you want a new warp, you need to start all over from the beginning. It was a good lesson for me because I think we do that with our faith sometimes. Jesus Christ is the foundation, the warp that holds us together. But what we want to do so often is to flip that fabric on its head. We want to be the foundation. We want God to weave in and out of our lives, weave in and out of our desires, weave in and out of what we want rather than what we're called to do which is let God be the foundation and try to turn our lives to what God wants rather than what we want. That's what happens when we take Jesus Christ as our foundation for granted. We try to be the foundation of our own lives rather than standing firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ, taking that for granted. But when we do remember what God has done for us, when we do remember what Jesus Christ has done for us, then we have the opportunity to build a fabric, to build a church, to build a life that's far greater than anything we could build on our own. That's why it's, I think, so magnificent that we're talking about our foundation on this day of all days. You might see there at the top of your bulletin that, that today is All Saints Day. It's a day when we remember all of those people in the past year who have passed away, and we remember all of those people who have laid the bricks of their faith on top of this foundation of Jesus Christ, who have built this church and made it what it is, not just this church here in Tallahassee, but the church universal. We stand not only on the foundation of that faith, but in concert with all of those other saints all throughout the world. 
people who have stood on the foundation of Jesus Christ for generations, who have been a part of something bigger than themselves, put themselves to the side and put Jesus Christ as their foundation and their center. As you know, it's been very difficult throughout this past year when we've had people that have passed away. Many of them we haven't been able to celebrate as we've wanted to, 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 to gather around in a funeral or in a memorial service and remind ourselves just how grateful we are to God for their life and the witness that they shared for us. I've been thinking about a lot of those people this week, folks like Willie Bell Bell and Fred Lindsay and Jerry Chestnut and Vic Heller and Duff Mackey and Liz Peters and Emily Smith and Andrew Forsyth, Helen Ketchum and Hank Watt and Joanne Webb and Kay Ansley. Some of those people passed away just before the pandemic happened, but all of those people in this past year we've had to say goodbye to. People who stood firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ and have given us this wonderful place on which we stand. This church that we can call home. This faith where we have the opportunity to worship God as we are called to do. This week I've been particularly thinking about one person in particular, Karen McGee, who passed away on October 19th, just about a year ago. We celebrated her life, and I remember sitting, having the chance to sit and talk with her before that service, to, before she passed away, about what she wanted that service to be like. And for those of you who knew Karen, you know she went through lots of difficulties throughout her life. She was a, a faithful servant of this church, a, a, a faithful pastor's wife here at this church, but she went through so many tragedies in her life, from losing her child, losing her, her daughter, to, to also her own health issues. And I was struggling to figure out how I could weave all of those things together in her funeral service. And she stopped me as we were talking and said, Brad, I don't want you to talk about all of those things. Instead, I want you to tell the church how joyful they made my life. Because in the midst of all of those things, they gave me something firm to stand on. That firm foundation that helped me through all of those storms, that gave me strength through all of the uncertainty in my life. I always had a church to lean on. I always had Jesus Christ to lean on. That's the story of my life, that I stirred, stood firm on the foundation of Jesus. That should be the story of our lives too, especially in those moments when the storms of life rage around us to stand firm on that foundation that Jesus Christ has given us, even when we are anxious, even when we are uncertain, even when we're worried about the future. It's that foundation that calls us, that gives us strength, especially when we're facing times of uncertainty, especially in times like right now. Several of you this past week have come and, and asked me and talked to me this week because you're feeling very uncertain about what's coming up this coming Tuesday. It's election day. Many of you have angst, anxiety, fears, worries about what's going to happen, what's going to happen to us, depending on how those uh, votes are tallied. And in the midst of, of trying to talk to you, comfort you, hear what your concerns are, I received an email from a church member who reminded me that this same anxiety we're facing now has been felt throughout the centuries. She sent me a little email with a, a, a little journal entry from John Wesley back in 1774. 
John Wesley, as you might remember, was an Anglican priest, and, and he was the founder of the, the Methodist movement, which grew into the Methodist church. And back in 1774, in his journal, he wrote about people coming to him and asking him advice about the election and, and who he, they should vote for. And, and he wrote down three different things that he told them. The first thing he told them was, without payment or reward, vote for the person that you think is worthy. The second thing he told them is, after you voted, don't say a single bad word about the person you didn't vote for. And then thirdly, he said, and don't let your spirit sharpen against those people who didn't vote for the person you voted for. That was written in 1774. Pretty good advice for 2020, isn't it? I wonder where he got that advice from. I wonder if he got that advice from that firm foundation of Jesus Christ who said, love your enemies and pray for those who hate you. I wonder if he got that advice from Jesus Christ who said, turn the other cheek and when someone asks you to walk a mile, carry him two miles. I wonder if he got that advice from Jesus Christ who said, don't worry about a thing, but lift everything up to God in prayer. I wonder if he got that advice from that firm foundation of Jesus Christ who hung there on the cross and said, God, forgive the people who put me here. John Wesley stood on that firm foundation because he knew that no matter what happened in that upcoming election, his calling was the same. He stood firm on the foundation to love God with all of his heart, his mind, and his strength, and to love his neighbor as himself. That was never going to change, and it will never change for us as long as we stand firm on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That will never change for us, no matter what happens this week or in the years to come. Because when all the days of our lives are tallied, whether it's the first day or the last day, our calling is the same. Our calling is to give Thanks to God with every breath that we have. To remember every single day all that God has given us and never take it for granted. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings and see what God has done. Thanks be to God. Amen.